Welcome to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. I am Dr. John, the guide for your heroic journey towards greater health, success, and most importantly, happiness. And now, on with the show. Hey, all you avid listeners out there, this is Dr. John. And if you enjoy what you're hearing on these joint podcasts with me and my fiance, Jory Rose, please know that we are offering a week-long retreat in Costa Rica in April of 2023 at one of the top resorts in the country where the body workers are next level and you will learn from myself and Jory how to be in better relationship to yourself, to your loved one, and to everyone else. This is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Please feel free to check out the podcast notes for more links, details, and info. Thanks so much, and now on with the show. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. John back with another episode of the Evolved Caveman. And I am psyched to have with me today, Christopher Maher, a former Navy SEAL who endured intense physical, mental, and emotional stress as a child. And by combining a SEAL mindset with modern stress management strategies, Christopher taught himself to free his body and mind from pain by developing mental and physical tools for eliminating, eliminating unresolved stress. Christopher studied traditional Chinese medical practices at the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and at Yosan University before continuing his studies at the Universal Healing Tao System. He is a student of Grand Master Montak Chia at the Universal Tao Master School in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and is currently pursuing his master's and doctorate degree in traditional Chinese medicine. Welcome, Christopher. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you. I'm very excited. It's always awesome for me when people open the door to have an opportunity to share and connect and to investigate how we can serve your community and my community more powerfully. So thank you. I, I, as I said, I'm really excited about this. We got on a 15-minute conversation prior to recording that was would have been fantastic for this. So let's just dive right in. Yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me a little bit about your background. So how did you come to this point of caring so much about stress? Uh, let's say pain. Pain was the driver, right? The, the thing about pain is, is pain and loss and discomfort will wake you up quickly. Isn't that and always I'll, the way? Yes. Pain is more powerful as a motivator than pleasure, I believe. Yes. <laughs> and so I ended up with a body full of discomfort and pain. And I had big goals. Um, and once that pain got into the center of my hip, it was impossible for me to get away from it no matter what I did. So even if I changed position, the pain was still there. and It was throbbing. It was like an ice pick you know, pulsing, like someone was stabbing me again and again and again and again. And this overwhelming throb would wake me up at night. This overwhelming throb would keep me from doing specific things that I wanted to do. And so whether I was hopping, skipping, jumping, running, flipping, um, the pain was always there. And so I had to do a very vulnerable thing, which allowed me, which caused me and challenged me to reach out for help because I took on some of those, what you would call typical masculine qualities, right? Stoicism, hyper-independence, uh, put your chin to the grindstone, don't be a pussy. Be self-reliant, don't ask right? for help. Yeah. Yeah. So all those strategies, okay. I had those in play. Interrupting, Christopher. Okay. Are you, were you, is this prior to being a Navy SEAL or after? This is, uh, this is all prior. And after, 
right? So um, again, I was expressing all of those typical male qualities, right? Those limiting beliefs, we'll call them, those limiting strategies for success. And I took on the idea that most men do, which is I am what I do versus I am who I be. And I allowed that pendulum to swing too far to the left for far too long. And then my body started to push back and it said, hey, excuse me, our curse. It said, fuck you. Mm-hmm. you and I kept, here. yeah, okay, good, good. <laughs> and I, I kept pushing anyway. And my body was like, oh, so you won't listen. Here we go. Let's see if you can take this. And everything it threw at me in terms of pain and discomfort, especially because of all the childhood trauma that I experienced, plus uh, SEAL training and the SEAL teams and all that stress and tension that I piled on top of that, that allowed me to continue to push into and through all of the discomfort. But once something gets into the center of your hip and it's throbbing constantly, one day you will eventually bend the knee. And I bent the knee to my pain and I did the most vulnerable thing I'd ever done in my life. I reached out and asked for help. I reached out and I asked for help. And for men, that's tough to do because like we talked about, and and I love how you said it, being overly self-reliant. I call that hyper-independence, right? And thing, yeah. And you know, those are good qualities to have until you take them too far. And my body did me the biggest favor in the world. It said, you're gonna have to rethink this. And I did. And I reached out and a buddy of mine showed up with a yoga mat and a juicer. His name was Jeff Higgs. Um, he's a former U.S. Navy SEAL. A really good dude, okay? I felt very comfortable with Jeff. I felt very safe to talk to him about anything, really. And when we started drinking that juice, he sucked his down in like a couple minutes. And mine, it was like I was choking it down, like every sip of like, oh, this is disgusting. And then at one moment, I remember looking at him and I had an epiphany. Oh, this is tastes good to him because he's healthy. And this tastes like absolute ass to me because I'm unhealthy, right? Here I am. I look like Adonis, okay? If I take off my shirt, if I'm walking around in a Speedo, okay? You know, the muscles are popping out everywhere. I'm I'm super, super lean. Oh, no, I was 1.8% body fat. Like, I didn't even have fat in my organs. Yeah, I got hydrostatically tested. And, but on the inside, underneath the hood, right? I was falling apart, but no one looking at me would ever know, right? I had a charming personality. I was super engaged emotionally. I was funny. Um, I was helpful. You know, I was all the things that you would want to be as a personality, right? But what was happening is my personality didn't match what was going on underneath the hood. And my body said, we won't allow you to be any more fragmented than this. And if you're going to continue, we're going to lift you off the planet. So then I started to lose my sense organs. My vision started to disappear quickly. My hearing started to to disappear. 
I would listen to songs on the radio with my friends in the car and I love to sing, right? So I'd be singing and one of my friends, the buddy of mine named Warbo, he'd say, dude, those aren't the lyrics. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? Of course, those are the lyrics. He's like, those aren't the lyrics. You must be going deaf. And I was like, hmm, okay. But I never let anybody know, right? I didn't say, yeah, I think you're right. I just kept pretending like I knew what was going on. And at the end of the day, I had no idea what was going on. So once I started to remove this stress and this tension out of my body and started to investigate what it meant to get pleasure back in my system, and believe me, I was still only motivated because I wanted to get that gold star, that trophy at the end of the day that said I was winning at life. Right. Mm -hmm. So make no bones about it. This wasn't coming from some spiritually evolved place. Right. I was still self-focused um, in serving myself. Right. And my ego and my wounds. And as I started to strip this tension and stress out of me, my mindset started to shift. And, and I remember all of my friends at the time, they used to call me hidden tiger crouching maher and they'd laugh because because i was social you know and i was san diego i i, I was basically the mayor right i would roll around everywhere anywhere socialize with everybody constantly relating and now i'm in my man cave right i'm in my cave and i'm stripping out the tension the stress the toxicity the distortion and every day that I put in time, energy, effort, consciousness, and skill into opening my body up, I had no interest in going out and relating with anybody or socializing or spending my time that way because it felt so good to simply be with myself. Okay. I no longer needed that external reflection from others to prove to myself that I had value. And look, I was institutionalized. I grew up in a boarding school, right? 16 kids in a student home, 15 other brothers around me at all times. It was normal for me to be over-socialized. So most people always made the assumption that I was an extrovert. The truth is I was a houseplant. And I remember when I was in boarding school, the kids in my first student home used to make fun of me because I would always want to be inside, right? And they were like, ah, you're just a house plant. Come on and play some basketball with us. And they kept, you know, and kids in Milton Hershey School are cruel, right? Yeah. They're talking a lot of trash, right? These are kids from Philly, from Harrisburg. Wait, did you say the Hershey School? Yeah, Milton Hershey School. You're the second person I've interviewed from that, is, that went there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went to Milton Hershey School. Who else? Great school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great school. Uh, I'd have to go back and check. Okay. I just, I was like, wait, the Hershey School? Yeah, yeah. So I went to Milton Hershey School, right? And so you imagine kids are cruel, right? I'm, they're from impoverished areas. Most of them have a parent that's deceased. Okay, or so these jail, kids or I'm in jails. Saying. Yeah, so these these kids are going to bring the heat. Like when they're talking trash, they're, they're going survival. deep, right? So I moved out of my house plant mode and I started engaging with the other students playing sports. And suddenly I started to get a lot of recognition because I was good at sports. Like whatever I did, I was good at it very quickly. And so then as I started to get all that recognition, I started to shift into thinking my value came from what I did, right? And so, um, 
that was another misnomer. That was another limiting belief that I had to learn the hard way. Fortunate for me, I learned at a very young age. So back to my cave. Can I pause you there for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Because there's a couple of things I want to circle back to. One of the things you brought up, which I think is really important, is this distinction between external validation and internal validation. Yes. Where I think so many men live their lives in an attempt to get compliments or kudos from outside themselves. And I think to me, that's um, at some level, an immature way of living or one of the earlier ways that we live. And then later, as we mature, we learn that far better to live from a point of internal validation where we are living according to our most deeply held values and beliefs. And we are patting ourselves on the back and giving ourselves validation for behaving and keeping with those values. Yeah, I mean, in my, I totally agree. And what I term those as is inner self-esteem and outer self-esteem. And so for me, I had an intense amount of outer self-esteem because of Milton Hershey School and the boarding school, going to college, being involved in fraternities, then going into the military, okay, and being a SEAL and being in the SEAL teams and going through SEAL training, you know, I was, that external validation was like super, super strong. So that reinforced my separation from myself, right? Mm -hmm. And then what I love about the body, the body's always giving you signals. Like if you get constant headaches, that's your signal. Your body's telling you, yo, you're disconnected, right? If If you're an insomniac, if you're managing your daily life with caffeine, nicotine, alcohol, sugar, refined uh, or pharmaceutical drugs or recreational drugs, your body's telling you, yo, dude, you are disconnected. Okay. If, if you're a guy and you got back pain, like most men that I've ever worked with all have low back pain. They got low back stiffness or they got neck stiffness. Okay. Or they got knee pain. All right. All those joints, those specific joints are all around being separate from who it is you really are. So so I got pushed up against by life and life was checking me super hard, okay? And pain, if you have some pain in your body, it's giving you a message. And if you continue to keep ignoring it, it's only going to get bigger and it will shift places. And in one day, One of the callers on the call right now is going to bend down to tie their shoes and they're not going to be able to get off the floor. Okay. And that is reality. So because my motivation was to get to the Olympic trials and it was never going to happen. Right. But with the body that I had, like a SEAL team body, like rough and tough, um, that my, even the mindset of like, If it doesn't mind, if you don't mind, it doesn't matter, which means if you're in pain, just keep on moving. It's no big deal. Ignore it. Don't question it. Right. Where women are fortunate where they're they at a very young age start to deal with pain. And one of the first pains they have to deal with is menstrual cramps. Right. And so they have to get in touch with deep physiological pain at a very young age. And and no woman gets out of it. Right. And so. That pain helped me see where I was really at. And fortunate for me, there were some people in the world that had enough skill and enough care in the holistic community um, to teach me some things that helped me. And then I took all that and I turned every stone over that you could imagine 
And I got into figuring out how this body actually works. Because from one end, I was fit, right? So I'm fit on the outside, but I'm completely unhealthy on the inside. And I came up with this distinction. Just because you're fit, it doesn't mean you're healthy. Mm -hmm. Okay. And anyone who has pain, any measure of pain in your body is an indication of your lack of health. Well, guess what? When you're healthy, you make different decisions. Because when you get to that crossroad, instead of always turning left, you realize, oh, I can turn right. You may not turn right, but at least you know it's a choice. It's available, right? But most men that I've ever met have so much tension and pain in their bodies that they don't even know that right exists. Right. And heading to, and you and I had this discussion earlier for men heading towards the feminine qualities. Like, let me give you some examples of feminine qualities openness, stillness, self empowerment, clear boundaries, um, uh, sensuality, intimacy, affection, freedom, um, communication. Nurturing, yeah. Gentleness, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Clear communication, emotions. I mean, yeah, the list goes on and on. Yeah, it's interesting to me because I that the idea of masculinity has been said to be a negative self identity. In other words, masculinity tells us what we can't do. It doesn't tell us what we should do or what we ought to do. Yes, it prescribes what we like. Don't don't do anything feminine. Don't do anything homosexual. Yeah. Um, don't do, don't put you, I'm going to say it differently. And the way I'm going to say it is so, uh, I like to live in neutrality. So when I, I give statements, I like them to be a little more neutral because it's more inviting. Um, be protective and be less receptive Hmm. because receptivity for men who have been institutionalized and all men on the planet have been institutionalized this way. Hmm through culture, through community, through um, through uh, school, through sports. Stay away from receptivity. Because if you are too receptive, it's an indication that there's something wrong with your gender identification. Right. And, you know, and this is a big topic in the world right now, okay? And the question is, is for men is that being receptive, being vulnerable is the true power. Okay. And when you're vulnerable, you're simply able to admit that you are without knowing. Okay. And you are without understanding. Okay. And you're in a state of feeling. And as you get into that state of feeling, it gives you the opportunity to then let others know how you're feeling. And if you let someone know how you feel, you're in the receptive mode. If you're refusing or have no idea how to do that, you can only be in the protective mode. Okay. So the question is, how do we get men out of the protective mode and into receptivity long enough to feel safe to be there when it's appropriate? Yes. Well put. Okay. Interesting. And one of the things that comes to mind, so I'm an emotion geek. You're into traditional Chinese medicine. It's interesting to me that both of us are pushing in the direction of interoception of tuning into what is it our what's going on inside our bodies what are our organs doing what's the heart doing what's the gi tract doing um as a way to ground ourselves and determine what's the feedback from our body that's right 
That's right. Because here's the good thing about the body. The body always tells the truth. Your mind, guys, on the call, you're listening. (laughs) Your mind will lie a thousand lies because your mind is there. Your brain is there to keep you safe. Okay. And if it detects any bit of fear in the surrounding environment, right? It's in a state of hypervigilance. The thing it's going to do last is be vulnerable, be transparent, or be honest, because that state is too threatening when you're locked into the protective mode. And so the beautiful thing is God gave us breath, okay? And you can, as soon as you start to feel a little bit, the tiniest bit of anxiety start to surface, all you have to do is take a deep breath. That's it. Yep. Yeah, breath is the most powerful weapon you have against, in yeah. my language, these negative emotions. That's right. Because to translate it, for me, when I think of us getting the slightest bit angry or fearful, we go to fight, flight, freeze, which not only restricts our actions, it also restricts our thoughts available to us. Yes. And the reason why that happens is this, and you uh, left one out, right? Flight, fight, freeze, or fawn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the reason why I say that is each one of those belongs to a specific world, right? One belongs to the physical world. One belongs to the mental world. One belongs to the emotional world. One belongs to the spiritual world. Okay. And so we're made up of four bodies, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And so the breath, and I love that we're getting into this, is about the emotional body. And so when I take an, if, if I'm in a conversation or a meeting, right, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a C-suite executive for Hershey Foods, right? We're in a meeting, the conversation isn't going the way that I think it should go, and the value, and my values are being stomped on, okay, and I'm not being recognized for what I could bring here, all I have to do is take a deep breath, and everybody in the meeting knows I'm overwhelmed, Okay. Everyone in the meeting knows I'm overwhelmed, and I have simply been honest with everyone in the field. Does it mean the direction of the meeting is going to change? No. Okay? I may be a low-level suite exec, yet I'm being honest with everyone emotionally, and everyone goes, oh, okay, after the meeting, hey, are you okay? I saw you were doing some uh, deep breathing over there. Yeah, I'm struggling because I was feeling that we should go this direction and this is a waste of time and energy and it's going to require more pressure from me onto my group uh, that I'm leading and I know they're already stressed and it doesn't make much, you know what I mean? So here, now the door has been opened for this person to inform and by opening up the door for this person to come to me, it means I'm in the receptive mode. And in that receptive mode, I can offload. Does it mean that what's going to happen is going to change? No. I teach people all the time. Who cares whether or not people do what you ask? But if you never ask, no one will ever be able to meet your needs, right? And this is this is what women are really good at. Hey, George, listen, we've, we've had this conversation 10 times, honey. You're not changing. I keep telling you that I need this. Could you imagine a man coming into a conversation with a woman and admitting what he really desires, wants, and needs from her in the relationship? But men mostly think, well, if I just keep showing up, paying the bills, uh, being protective, okay, 
um, for the family, yeah. providing for the family, producing constantly, right? It'll override my ability, my inability to communicate at an emotional level with my wife. And she'll see that like, look, I'm doing it. I like, I'm so out there and I'm doing. Christopher, because I, I think, you know, one of the things, this piece fascinates me as well in the sense that I've thought a lot about, you know, men really struggle with expressing their needs and requesting or setting boundaries. And I think that most of us aren't even aware of what our needs are or what mm-hmm. we're entitled to ask for. And, you know, things like, I, I want a hug. I, I need a nap. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I, I would like some time to myself. I would like some time together. And so I, I think you're right. And I think we need to back up. A lot of times I have to back up with clients to teach them what are some of these examples of needs so that you can be more confident in asking for them. And then, you know, and, and this, there's also this hang up that we have of being appropriately assertive and speaking up for these needs, because I think that takes a little bit of courage and practice. And then to your point of you may or may not get your need met, but at least you've spoken your truth. At least you've raised your voice and then you can practice something like radical acceptance so that you're less attached to which way does it end up? What's the outcome? Yes. You know, um, those skills are essential yet. Here's the thing. This is the challenge for me with all of this is this. And, um, fathers teach their daughters about the real world. Okay. The world outside of the home right? A dad wants to make sure his daughter is safe, right? She's going to go to college. She's going to go into uh, some program. She's going to get involved in a relationship with a man. He wants her to know how the world works, right? So he sits her side, honey, listen, if a guy does this, if this happens at work, be, f- be sure you call someone and do that and blah, 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 right? He's giving her constant guidance, okay? Mothers never teach their sons about the emotional world And the reason for that is most young boys have a mother who breaks off their intimacy with the husband to have intimacy with the son because their needs are never being met by the husband at an intimacy level. Okay. Now she takes the intimacy with the son, but she never teaches the son the value of intimacy. She never teaches Hey, Jake, listen, honey, I need you to ask for what you want. So mothers are never preparing their sons to be husbands, to be good husbands. A dad doesn't know how to be a good husband. He's a dad. He can teach you how to protect, how to provide. Listen, son, when you go out, you're you're walking with your daughter to the dance. Make sure her body's not facing the street. Okay, your body's to the outside. So if a car comes or something happens, you can shove her to the side. If someone's running across the street and uh, you're very clear of the boundary that's being set, a father can teach that to a son. A mother's job is to teach a son about the emotional world. And women are failing miserably at doing this because they attempt to replace the lack of intimacy they have with the husband with their relationship with their sons. And I want to put a lot of this, I want to put 50% of this where it belongs. Okay. So men, 
If you're listening to me, the things that I'm saying right now, I know 100% you resonate with. Your mother never taught you how to move through the emotional world. And so women are titans when it comes to the emotional world. Men are mice. Mm -hmm. Do you want another mouse trying to teach you how to be a titan? Or do you want a titan teaching you how to be a titan? Well, the emotional world has been governed and guarded. The gatekeepers are women. So mothers have to teach you. If you have a difficult time understanding the emotional world and your wife won't teach you, go talk to your mom. Go, mom, look, I'm failing in the relationship miserably. What don't I know about the emotional world? Can you help me with this? There isn't a mom on the planet that wouldn't take, even if your mom's 60, she'll take the time to sit down with you. Honey, let's meet at a park and let me tell you about the emotional world. These are the things that make women feel safe. These are the things that drive women crazy. These are the things that make women feel unsafe. And let me help you here. What's interesting to your point, I, you know, <laughs> in, in couples counseling, women are always responsible for bringing the couple in. You never see a husband saying, come on, honey, we need to go to see a couples counselor. And then, you know, once they come in, I've learned over many years that I give more credence to what the wife is saying in session, because I know she's miles ahead in terms of relationship skills, emotion, emotional skills, and communication skills. So she's more aware of what's going on typically than the husband is. Yes. So let me, let me change to a, let me, let's get back to stress for a minute. Although okay. this is fascinating, but I want to get a little bit to, you know, stress management versus stress resolution. Just the topic alone kind of caught my attention. What's the difference there? Uh, the difference between stress management and stress resolution is the tool that you're using. Okay. So 99.9% .9 of all humans, if you're on the call, this includes you. Okay. Are using stress management tools. What's a stress management tool? Caffeine. What's a stress management tool? Excessive exercise. I'm saying what 99.9% .9 of humans are using, right? Uh, um, Excessive exercise, okay? Alcohol, nicotine, refined sugar, workaholism, over-identification with what I do, right? So now, as humanity's evolving, we've taken some Eastern disciplines, right? Which would be things like Tai Chi, breath work, meditation, and... And we're attempting to manage our lifetime accumulated stress with these very, um, how do I say it? Small tools. Okay. So manage your lifetime accumulated stress is like an oak tree. Okay. These smaller tools. Okay. These are like a butter knife. You're never going to cut down that oak tree with a butter knife. Okay. And so what you need are you need tools that are bigger, right? What's the first tool? The first basic simple tool is honesty, right? How am I feeling right now about what's going on? If it's too vulnerable to inform your wife or your girlfriend or your lover or your partner, tell somebody, right? 
Like even text someone while I'm really stressed. My wife wants to go to Hawaii for the summer and I feel like I'm just going to have to work more and I don't have enough energy. And she's already complaining that we don't have sex enough. And every time we're sexual, I feel even more drained and stressed. Right? So honesty is probably the most important tool. Now, when you want to get into resolving, right, stress resolution, what it means is you're addressing your lifetime accumulated stress load. That means your lifetime accumulated stress load is made up of all your accumulated daily stress that's unresolved, plus all of your generational stress from your lineage. So Mm -hmm. in my family, we have alcoholics, right? My grandfather died of cirrhosis of the liver. My mother, she killed herself by the time she was 29, right? So that shows you there's a lot of, of, of mental illness, right? An inability to communicate what the desires, wants, and needs are. If my grandfather could have done that, do you think he would have been an alcoholic? No. If my mother could have done that effectively, do you think she would have decided to step in and step onto a highway and get run over by a truck? No she would not have chosen to do that because she would have been able to communicate clearly her desires, her wants, and her needs. The question is, why couldn't she? Why couldn't he? Why couldn't I? Because my lifetime, her lifetime, and his lifetime accumulated stress load was so high, they had to use stress management tools, okay? Stress resolution tools didn't exist. Nobody understood the study of epigenetics or that behaviors were passed on from generation to generation, okay? So stress resolution is about removing your lifetime accumulated stress. Well, how do you do that? You pull out the actual physical tension. So here's the model. This is the theory. This is the philosophy. It's very easy to follow. Fear manifests as weakness, Weakness creates stress. Stress generates tension. Tension creates distortion, and distortion manifests as chronic pain. And there's all forms of pain. There's emotional pain, there's physical pain, there's psychological pain, and there's energetic pain, spiritual pain. Okay? So anyone on the call I guarantee you, you have one of these pains. So now let's go the opposite direction. If I remove a significant amount of tension from my body, remember, stress manifests this tension. If I remove the tension, I automatically remove the distortion and the pain, but I also automatically remove the stress, the weakness, and the fear. So, right? So on one side of tension, is distortion and chronic or intermittent pain. On the other side of tension is unresolved stress, weakness, and fear. So all I have to address initially is the excessive tension that lives in my body. And as I reduce that by about 50%, my restore, repair, and recovery rate goes up and my lifetime accumulated stress loads simultaneously goes down. And when that happens, I get to the crossroad that requires intimacy for success. And instead of always turning left with stoicism and over self-reliance, I turn right into clear communication and honesty and vulnerability around my desires, wants, and needs. And the only way, hold on, hold on. The only thing that's in the way of that is lifetime accumulated stress that's manifesting at its excessive tension. Okay, go ahead. So I'm totally with you on this. And 
give me an example of the, the four different layers of tension, like physical tension. I understand like my glutes hurt because I was doing squats yesterday. Yep. Okay. So, so great. This is easy. Perfect. So when you look, well, now what we're talking about is, is pain. And pardon me. The right. one that I'm most interested in is that last one, spiritual slash energy. Spiritual. Okay. Spiritual slash energy. So when someone gets up in the morning, right. And they wake up and their eyes are heavy. Oh my God, I can't. And they're running for that cup of Joe. The reason why they're running for that cup of Joe is because they don't have enough energy. Like when you wake up in the morning, you should feel like Superman. Like drinking a cup of coffee. Yes, right? When you wake up in the morning, your mind should be clear, okay? Your emotions should be grounded, all right? Your body should be comfortable and your energy should be abundant. If any one of these things is missing, you have spiritual energetic pain. And what I mean by that is you're living a life that's outside of who it is you really are, okay? You're either overextended, okay? And what's that mean for a man to be overextended? You're working 60 hours a week versus 40 hours a week. You're given 20 hours away that you could have with your family and your loved ones and your children, right? Or your friends, and you're given that to work. So you're exchanging time, energy, and effort for resources, okay? And what I mean by that is fair and equitable exchange is a spiritual concept, okay? It it implies that something is unfair and inequitable. And whenever you're living a life where things are unfair and inequitable, okay, spiritually, okay, what's in the spiritual world, ethics, morals, values, principles, what's a principle? Fair and equitable exchange. When the exchanges in my life are unfair and inequitable, I will be exhausted the next day. What when the exchanges um, in my life are unfair and inequitable, I will be exhausted the next day because I'm overgiving and overdoing and I'm not getting enough for myself. So communication is in the spiritual world, so right? Let me run one by you. Just go ahead. Because this one's been um, grinding my gears lately. And it's the it's the tribalism, I guess. It's the belief that one's tribe is anything less than all of humanity. Okay. So Democrats, Republicans, males, females, Americans, whatever it is. Um, and and I, to me, it results in or can result in anti-Semitism, homophobia, and racism. Do you, okay. Would you put that sort of, and I... I guess it's fear-based. I was going to say hatred, but I guess it's fear-based um, into the spiritual camp. For sure, 1,000%. Because what happens is the spiritual world is all about right and wrong, right? The emotional world is all about excitement and anxiety. The physical world is all about comfort and discomfort, right? Anger and versus love. And then the mental world is all about fear and fearlessness versus doing versus being. Okay. So when we're looking at right or wrong, when we look at racism and homophobia and all these other uh, projections, right, false or negative, um, we're saying that I'm right in the way that I'm living and you're wrong. And when we have spiritual pain, meaning when we are no longer living in oneness consciousness, we're in separation consciousness. And in separation consciousness, I do everything that I can to create a bigger divide. Separation consciousness is associated with 
and reflected by the exact opposite, which is separation. Separation versus oneness, okay? Right versus wrong. When I'm in oneness consciousness, I understand that your pain is my pain. Your, your successes are my successes. When I'm in separation consciousness, your pain is your pain. My success is, is, is my success. Your color is your color. My color is my color. We're separate. What are we? We're called humans. What does hue mean? Look up the word hue. It means color. Colored man. Humans, which implies there's many hues, right? And so when I'm living in that state of separation consciousness, which is catalyzed, and you're correct, by fear, right? I'm projecting that I'm above and you're below. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it seems to me that a spiritual truth is we are all one. Yeah. Oneness is, one. yeah. Oneness consciousness is the highest state of function. And yeah, anyway, it's, it's just been the, the stuff that's going on in the world right now has been a little bit uh, draining in that regard. Well, for me, I love it. And here's, here's why I love it. I'm not drained. I'm inspired by it. I'm inspired by it because this has been going on forever. Mm-hmm. And now we can finally talk about it. Okay. You know, uh, transgenderism and all these things that are, that are, that have, are getting a lot of attention right now. <laughs> go back to France or go back to London and you'll see that in the 1700s, there were men dressing up as women then. Okay, this isn't new. This is what's been going on forever. At least we're in a position where now we can talk about it, we can filter it, we can dissect it, and we can see what's true for us. Okay, what's true for me is whatever someone's going through is what they're meant to experience. So who am I to judge them, right? Who am I to say, hey, uh, I know what's right for you. I know what's right for me, and I'm here on the call with you sharing what's correct for me. Mm-hmm. I know for sure that if you apply the strategies and the tools that I give you, you will be able to access clear communication, be more vulnerable, be more honest, step out of self-reliance, step out of hyper-independence, step out of overworkism, step out of um, an excessive amount of attachment to what it is you do in the world. I know these things will work, okay? But I'm not here to say that this is what you should be doing because if you're not, and I dealt with that. You know, when I first started removing stress and tension and distortion, I used to meet with a handful of my buddies who were all doing the same work. And I would be sitting down for lunch and I'd be looking at what people were eating and I was spiritually arrogant. I'd be like, I can't even believe these people are drinking this. Why would they be drinking that? I can't believe these people are eating this. Look at them. It's so disgusting. Blah, 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 blah. And then one day I took a half step back and I thought, whoa, I'm judging them for what I was doing before. So now I put myself above them. And then at some point, as I removed enough tension and stress out of my body, that idea shifted. I was like, they're going to eat what they want to eat. And if no one informs them that there's a different thing that they could be eating that would make them feel better, who am I to judge their path? Right. If I'm not willing to stand up on a call with you and go, hey, guys, look, there's a different way. When guys are continuing to go left, 
do I have a right to judge them? Let me run an idea by you and, and get your feedback. So you, you've talked about, you know, seeing yourself as above or kind of on the same plane or level as, yeah. and it's kind of power over versus power with at some level. And one of the things that comes up a lot with my clients is this idea of arrogance versus self-confidence, Yes, which fascinates me because when I was a kid, my mom used to insult me because she was afraid that I would become arrogant. I don't know why, but okay. And so it resulted in me being, I think for many years, overly humble and Mm -hmm. not Mm self-confident. And so I've thought a lot about this and the difference to me, I think is internally based. Like, I think I'm not sure that we can look at someone else and say, you're arrogant. And here's why, because self-confidence to me is I believe in my uniqueness, my specialness at some or all levels. And everyone else around me has an equal opportunity to be just as special and unique, although it might vary by individual, like it might be their individual differences. Arrogance is, I believe I'm special and unique and everyone else is below me. Everyone else is less than. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm okay. I could see how you would, you would come to that conclusion. Okay. And I believe a lot of other people have also come to that conclusion. Confidence versus arrogance is simple for me. I'm clear on what's correct for me. I'm confident. When I'm clear on what's correct for you, I'm arrogant. So it's related to judgment. Because I'm making an assumption that what how I live is the right way to be, is the right thing to do. Is the right thing to be expressed. Your clarity on what's correct for you is based on values, needs, desires. Yeah, what's correct for me is my ability to authentically self-express and be in alignment with my own set of internal ethics, morals, values, and principles. And if I can honor those on a daily basis... I have the opportunity to build inner self-esteem. And the greater my esteem is, the more confident I become. And my my hope is that through conversations like this, because I, I hear what you're saying. And then in my mind, I'm like, yes. And the vast majority of us don't even have the self-awareness to begin this journey. I mean, Tasha Urich's research shows that 95% of us will self-report being highly self-aware when in fact, it's, it seems to be about 15% of us. Yeah, And so, I mean, one of the big problems in my mind is getting, in, in, in this case, men, but I guess all humans, to begin to be aware of what are their values, ethics, principles, what, what is going on internally in their body? What are they feeling? How can they communicate better? Yeah, I mean, remember, this is all a stepping stone, right? This, this, is, this, is, this is where we're at currently in society, right? We're attempting to move into the golden age. And look, if 15% of us are highly aware, the other 85%, they don't have to be. And what I mean by that is in order to create a paradigm shift, we need between eight and 9,000 people to be doing the same thing at a conscious level. And then all of that consciousness gets uploaded into the collective mind for everyone to benefit from. Okay, so at one point, there were there was one person on the planet, one, only one person who had a cell phone, only one. 
And then suddenly there were a thousand, right? And once it reached 8,000, like the next year, there was a hundred thousand, right? Once it reached a hundred thousand, there was a million, okay? And then before there was a million, there were a hundred million. And in a short amount of time, there were a billion people who had a cell phone. And that happened very quickly. Okay, so, so society and my behavior are reflective and relative to my choices. When I'm honoring my own set of internal ethics, morals, values, and principles, I'm building inner self-esteem. If I can build enough esteem that will allow me to get on a call with you, I can take the values that I've learned, the ethics that I honor, the, the principles that I align to, and I can share them with your audience, okay? But if my inner self-esteem is low because I'm doing the opposite of my ethics, my morals, my values, my principles, I will never ever get on a call with you in order to share what I've learned for the benefit of others. Because when you're confident, you understand that who I am and what I be has a direct and reflective impact on everything and everyone around me because all nervous systems vibrate to the highest functioning nervous system in the collective field. So when I'm in alignment, everyone that's in my sphere of influence is given that gift of alignment when they're in my presence. Where you're aligned and you're aware, everyone who gets to work with you gets the added benefit of you honoring your ethics, your your values, your morals, and your principles for the thorough internal investigation that you've been doing, right? And so we only need a small amount of men right? To create a huge paradigm shift. The question is, how do we get there? Like, it's lovely to talk about these details, but how do we get down to the brass tacks of things? Like, how how do we transition from conversation into action? How do we transfer from conversation into action? I love the conversation, but how do the men that are listening, how do they get to the crossroad and realize they can turn right? I can promise you with the amount of tension and stress and distortion that they have in their body that's unresolved, they will never get there unless they're controlling, currently controlling their life with their mind. If they do as I tell them, remove tension, stress, and distortion through a form of exercise called Bestercise, they will have the realization that they're a choice because 99.9% of all men that are on this call right now are doing everything they can to avoid punishment, rejection, humiliation, violence, and discomfort. Because as children, we don't understand the world because we're in a precognitive state. So the thing that you and I are up against with the men that we're attempting to share with is that child in them that's got some wounds that haven't been dealt with and has developed elaborate strategies to avoid punishment, rejection, humiliation, violence, and discomfort. So how do we get them to transcend that? You're going to love this. When you're avoiding um, violence, discomfort, humiliation, and pain, you know what happens? Your nervous system starts to develop a projected false personality. And when you run that too far, you know what you end up with? Pain. What kind of pain? We talked about energetic pain. You end up exhausted. 
Emotional pain, you end up anxious. Physical pain, you end up with discomfort in your body. Okay. Mental pain, you end up being fearful. That's the simple, that's the simple, simple, simplest way that I can explain this. Now, how do you transcend that? You take out the accumulated stress that your parents passed off to you and your environment manifested and reflected back to you. And as you remove that and reduce that, you are now at choice. But what's the choice? You get to discover who am I in relationship to sex? Who am I in relationship to money? Who am I in relationship to education? Who am I in relationship to family? Who am I in relationship to leadership? Who am I in relationship to openness? Who am I in relationship to communication? Without that, These men on the call will do everything they can to use their minds to try to master their environment. And the mind is like one tiny little grain of sand, right? That's your conscious. Your mind is your conscious. Your breath is your unconscious. And if you can get yourself to a breathwork class, okay? Guys, on the call, if you can get yourself to a breathwork class and you make the commitment to go 10 times, I promise you, your life will radically shift. Okay. Yeah, hold on. Uh, There's two more worlds. If you've got physical pain, okay, you've got to remove the physical tension. If you do, your anger is going to reduce and your access to love is going to increase. And then your fear, that's mental pain. You got to get somebody that you can talk to that you feel safe with to admit the things that you don't know about reality and you have to bend the knee and ask for help. And if you can address your physical, your mental, emotional, your spiritual pain, all of them simultaneously and you start devoting some of your resources and a little bit of your time, you're going to get an intense amount of shift. Yeah, I love what you're saying. And it's interesting. It's come at a, a really fortuitous time for me because I'm looking back on my career. And I think that, you know, my training was at UC Berkeley, so it's all science and research-based. And as I've gotten older, I've become increasingly comfortable to step outside of that paradigm and step more into the spiritual. And so I've been doing that more and more over the past five years. And so I, I really appreciate our conversation today. It's been very illuminating. So thank you very much for that. Oh, thank you, man. I mean, for me, if it isn't repeatable and verifiable, it ain't science. And it's 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 woo-woo. I can do woo-woo with the best of them yep. on the planet, I promise you. But no one is better at spiritual science than me on the planet because I understand where these stressors are and I have the ability to remove them. And once you take those out, the person's life from that moment forward will never be the same because whatever's in your body is in your life. Whatever's not working in your life is a opportunity for you to look inward and go, whoa, there's something wrong in my body. If you repair, restore, and recover from what the stressors and the miasms that are in your body, you will evolve out of your cave and into the world to become the leader you were born to be. So in wrapping up, tell people where they can get a hold of you. Uh, you can go to truebodyintelligence.com. If you want to get a hold of me personally, you have to read the book. I don't talk to anyone who isn't willing to read the book. Like you got to jump through a hoop, right? If you're willing to read the book, Free for Life, that I wrote, you can get it on the website. Okay. 
I'm willing to spend 30 minutes talking to you. Okay. Excellent. You got to jump through a little hoop. Okay. Um, initiation fee. You got to pay initiation fee. Like the, the, the because you're vested. If you're not vested in your own like life process, why do I want to spend time with you? Okay. Let me ask you this. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have? Mm. You know, the thing about, about you and I, we should probably have 10 conversations uh-huh. for men to listen to. And um, this is the first, right? We gave a lot. I use different terminology. Uh, I gave them some formulas for them to look at. I gave them some things that they could implement right now to deal with their stress. Language too. Yes. Thank you. So so what I'm putting out there is if you're motivated by this, this conversation, don't only email me, right? Email my guy who's hosting this right now, okay? The Evolved Caveman, and let him know that you want to have me on again. And I will come on here and we can get into the next level of this. Because if you want to really learn about the stress that's keeping you from being present, you have to read Free for Life, A Navy SEAL's Path to Inner Freedom and Outer Peace. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing the wisdom that you have. I, Christopher from Seal to Sage. From Seal to Sage. <laughs> I uh, and, and thank you a lot. I, this was an outstanding interview. As I said, great clarity and great value. Um, honestly, I'm not, hurt, I'm not sure I've heard it put so succinctly and so practically before. Thank you, man. I'm look, dude, I've been at it, right? You've got to understand. It's in the last 22 years, I put in a hundred thousand hours of practical investigation into what keeps men from being present and living the life that they really want to live. And then making a system that simplified it and made it easy for any man anywhere to get into it. Cause I care. I care. Yeah. Well, that's obvious. So again, thank you. Thank you. And that is it for this episode of the Evolved Caveman. If you love this episode, please share, like, and review. And if you didn't like it, you don't have to do a damn thing. Thanks so much. I'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. If you like what you've heard, support us by subscribing, leaving reviews, and sharing the podcast with friends and colleagues. For the latest, most powerful tools to connect with like-minded men, join the Facebook group at The Evolved Caveman. Follow Dr. John on Instagram at The Evolved Caveman, all one word, or join the email list by visiting guidetoself.com. 